are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You say you're the man, but you don't have red hair and you're not dating the architect. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. As the other Cultaholic lads get ready for the short meander to payback, we are here via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean taking a long, dark, scary walk into 1995, the new generation era of the World Wrestling Federation. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, tight and shrugged himself. He does not need a pencil as the head pen of Cultaholic. He needs a pen. He gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. Good day, Tom. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I saw your Titan Shrugged uh, tag team partner in a video this week. I did as well. Yeah, he's keeping nice and busy. Good lad. Sure is. Uh, him, him and many other prolific uh, wrestling writers are part of the Inside the Ropes magazine trying to bring back the wonders of print journalism and... I may have a small hand in that. Ooh, I was going to make some sort of quippy joke saying I assume our invites are in the post, but hey, you're already there, so that's fine. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's, it's a hell of a team, as you've seen, with uh, Keith Elliott Greenberg, Bill Apter, uh, Brian Elliott, former boss of mine, and, of course, James Dixon, Finn Martin. It is very much guy, Mount Rushmore of wrestling writers. It's Dr. Sidney M. Basil, who is the site the fake psychiatrist who, who did articles for Person Illustrated back in the 80s. <laughs> and stately Wayne Manor from Power Slam. Let's get him in as well. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I love Thanks, stately mate. Wayne. <laughs> um, when we record this, we are 24 hours removed from SummerSlam and the uh, the return of the, the boy with the shiniest teeth, Roman Reigns. Did you have a nice time <laughs> watching SummerSlam? I thought it was a pretty good show. Not great, not terrible, just... An enjoyable show with a minimum of stupidity, although the main event, God, Braun looked like a friggin' idiot. He did look a little bit stupid, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. I mean, he's, he, he's cutting foam into wedges and it falls victim to a pinfall. 
That was pretty. It was so quick. It was just like I'm going to cut this canvas up a bit, and then all of a sudden, oh, I've just like normally, like with the canvas, the, the cutting the canvas spot. It's a rare trope in professional wrestling, but you at least allow like 10, 15 minutes before you return to it, not like instantly. <laughs> and the other thing is. If he's been remade in, into this horrifying monster where, where Bray's brought the worst out of him through his actions, and, and now he's a full I'm going to kill you mode, he grabs a box cutter. <laughs> now, what would New Jack do in this situation? I mean, the box cutter wouldn't have gone on the canvas. <laughs> exactly. It, it, would, it would have cut something a little bit more artistic like that mask, first of all. And whether he cuts something underneath that mask is uh, up to interpretation. New Jack would, yeah, he 100% would not have cut the canvas. He would have, he would have been wearing the fiend's face by the time the third, by the time the third chorus of uh, of natural born killers had finished. He'd gone for Ed Gein. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> Boy, thank God this show we're about to review today doesn't have any rotundas versus dumb baby faces. Oh, hey History repeating. We are going to get to this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. It's a Christmas edition, which is great to do in the height of summer. Yeah. It's a Christmas yeah. Raw. Well, given how humid it is today, I got, I can go for some Yuletide uh, weather. Yeah, let's uh, let's strap on our uh, our gear, our uh, our festive our festive gear and festive cheer for this week's episode of Raw. Pop on my snow parka. <laughs> Uh, before we get to uh, this week's episode of Raw, let's run down uh, some of the things going on in the wrestling news this week, as per the pen of Dave Meltzer for the Wrestling Observer. So uh, he's looking back on Survivor Series, did a between a 1.2 and a 1.4 buy rate. Now, other sources uh, pegged it much lower. So 1.4 is very good. It's a huge increase from the previous year. That basically means, Justin, what we know already, Bob Backland equals ratings. Well, that's true. He's a draw, but hang on. Let me just let me to verify with my usual buy rate source real fast. I've just pulled it up here. Actually, it was higher than the last two Survivor Series. Oh, really? Ninety-two did two hundred fifty thousand buys. Ninety-three, a show that I purchased, only did one hundred eighty thousand, which I think was the lowest for any big four pay-per-view to that point. Uh, actually, the eighty-nine rumble was smaller than that, but that was the second lowest. This one did two fifty-four, so just up from ninety-two. Okay. Uh, so either way, it's uh, it's it, it could have been worse. It could have been a worse time at the at the box office for WWF. Yeah. It it ranked third for pay per views out of five for the company in terms of buys that year, ahead of the Rumble and King of the Ring. Uh, looking ahead to uh, the future of WWF Raw in just a moment. Uh, inter- interesting event occurred at the December seventeenth ECW Arena show. About eight hundred people were there, a bit less than normal. And uh, after the show. The fans are all chanting ECW, ECW. According to Paul, according to Dave Meltzer, Paul Heyman then got on the house mic and started swearing, telling fans not to chant ECW because we didn't deserve it, because we didn't give you anything to chant for. Really? Yeah, this is like a little meltdown from Paul Heyman. I initially first read it as Paul Heyman was angry at the fans for there not being as many, but it turns out that Paul Heyman probably didn't like some of the booking that went on and just wore his heart on his sleeve that night. Sounds like a very savvy move from a promoter to say, no, no, no. Like, this, is, this isn't our best. We'll show you our best one day. Save it for that. And, you know, it, everybody goes home thinking, like, wow, Paul gets it. 
you know, Paul's not just going to stand by some draconian show and and say that was our best and just because it had the ECW branding on it. You know, it almost seems like a preemptive move just to look good in the future. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the main event of that particular show had Paul uh, Public Enemy retaining the tag titles against Sabu and Tasmaniac, and the post match scene saw a brawl between Sabu and the Tasmaniac, the Public Enemy, and Dimalenko and Chris Benoit, and then 911 turns up and just chokeslams everybody. Just a couple of comings and goings from the WWF before we get into the show. Uh, Titan Sports is having a chat with a rather large tag team at this particular point in time. Who do you reckon that might be? Rather large team. Mm. Are we talking we're, we're talking height or weight? Uh, height. Would they be two big, scary-looking mountain men who happen to be twins? Maybe. Are their eventual names going to sound like yeah, like like Jake and Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers? <laughs> You've nailed it. That's right. Titan is said to be talking with Ron and Don Harris. Now that is yeah. that ends up being incredibly true because we will see Ron and Don in the WWF by the time the Rumble rolls round. Mm-hmm. So and they are right up Vince's street, aren't they? These lads. Yeah, they're just two big, scary-looking mountain men. Basically, if Take two Eric Rowans and give him a full head of hair. Yeah, very weird seeing them with hair. Be warned. Uh, we mentioned this last week as well. The Raw taping uh, featured uh, some appearances by newcomers, the Minotaur, and, of course, the Blacksmith. Uh, no more news on them other than they made an appearance. And uh, we say farewell to Luna Vachon, who has been fired. No word on, on why this happened. Uh, I don't suppose you would know anything on what occurred here. I do not personally recall. Uh-huh. I just know this. I just know the time is consistent because I think this is. I mean, it is weird because I mean, there were other raw video games coming out soon, and she's on the game as the first female female playable wrestler. So that's very odd. That's always infuriating when you have this situation where people get sacked just as video games are coming out. Like if you look, and that and that's a problem even to this day. Like you look at the 2K Battleground roster, and Gallows and Anderson are still on it. Well, I mean, you can just recreate Talking Shop Mania. <laughs> Do you know what? It's going to be of a similar caliber. Um, although, although I don't recall the part of the Boner Yard match where, where Gallus got eaten by an alligator. <laughs> it's we're adding it now. We're adding it now. Um, that's really all the news at the moment. It's it's one of those times where everybody's wrapping up for Christmas in our timeline so everything's gone a little bit quiet uh, wcw guys are all taped up until the new year as is wwf so uh hopefully in the next week or so as we get close to the royal rumble we'll have some more uh fun news from Meltzer. yeah dave works during the holidays but yeah this is the time when everything uh everybody's just packing it in and getting ready for some eggnog and some keeping keeping toasty by the fire and all that stuff oh what a lovely image that you paint Yes, it's very Norman Rockwellish, is it not? It is. John, can we have Dave Belter on the front cover of It's a Wonderful Life? Chestnuts on <laughs> roasting. You know, on an open fire. <laughs> uh, what, what if you, what if, what's in the... <laughs> well, I've uh, I've had a feel of my presence. Uh, it might you... be a cassette player, it might not. <laughs> By the time we get the Three Kings Day, he's opened five gifts. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Dave. 
who gets to read those. And, <laughs> and, what, and what does the happy little elf think? Minus five stars. <laughs> it's a wonderful life, but plans change. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's um a wonderful life. <laughs> Anyway, festive cheer. Pop your Christmas hats on. Let's watch a Christmassy episode of Monday Night Raw. So we are going to Monday, December 19th, 1994. It was taped taped before last week's show. This was taped on November 28th before last week's show was taped. So they're out of order. That's the fun of this. Oh, right. Oh, oh, the wacky taping schedules of WWF in the mid-90s. This is Poughkeepsie, New York, the home of the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, which is a nice little venue. And, and yes, as, as Jez just stated, this was taped three weeks before the show that we reviewed last week was taped, because that aired semi-live-ish. So, well, yeah, it's all it's it's a bit perpendicular, but that gives that roughly where we are. That's roughly where we are. There's nothing really on this taping that is timeline-wise consequential. <laughs> So I give Bruce a pass. He probably had to storyboard, storyboard all this stuff, and he probably just went nuts as a result. <laughs> you end up being like Charlie from It's Always Sunny doing the um, Pepe Sylvia bit. It's pretty much where we're at. <laughs> Barney gave him a cigarette. He's freaking out. Anyway. <laughs> so we have a... So we start out fairly cold here. We have Luger making his entrance, which is as cold as it gets. cold, mate. Luger's in it. Well, no, 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 Stone Cold is interesting. Hey, hey now. <laughs> I'd rather watch the um, Brian Bosworth movie Stone Cold in this match. <laughs> Within moments of this starting, I, I, I know last time I got on his case for stuff like this, but Shawn Michaels was my hero. The moment this got started. Do tell. As Luger is walking down to the ring, he's got in front of him a kid with the flag of America and Shawn Michaels just says hey that kid looks really happy to be here and this kid had this abs- this this face on him like he wanted to be anywhere else other than walking Luger down to the ring he had the same expressionless look as, as half the people on, on the Thunderdome screens <laughs> he really did <laughs> I put here the flag bearer is a physical embodiment of Lex Luger's personality <laughs> it's his id. It's, it is, isn't it? It's just like it's like his uh, his, his spirit that walks beside him. This is this kid is Lex Luger's Patronus. <laughs> let's not overthink <laughs> this. It's Lex Luger, and it's ninety four WWF. So let's not overthink it now. <laughs> Fair point, well made. I still think it's his Patronus. A sad kid with the American flag. <laughs> well, soon. Well, eventually Luger upgrades to an American male with a American flag, but we'll we'll get to, we'll get to that in about six months. That's <laughs> where the kid evolves like a Pokemon. <laughs> it's the same kid all the way through. It was a little kid about a week ago. It's just a, it's just a fast evolving Pokemon. Well, this whole bit is so interesting that we show a woman in the crowd with a sneaker keychain, which I forgot existed. <laughs> it was worth going to that shot, believe me. <laughs> We hit the intro after that very cold opening. So cold, we had to throw three more logs on the fire. <laughs> we go to Vince and Sean, future WrestleMania opponents, both wearing Santa hats. <laughs> so that's twice that 
Raw commentators were eventual WrestleMania opponents, Vincent Sean and Colin Lawler. Oh, God. It must have happened more often than that, surely. The idea of... Oh, not WrestleMania opponents, maybe, but certainly opponents, like Jim Ross and the coach. Oh, uh, yeah, but I'm, not, I'm thinking of WrestleMania 16 when we had Randy Savage and Rob Bartlett. Oh, <laughs> what a match that was. What a joint hallucination that was. It's like two men enter, then they both leave, and neither comes back. <laughs> so we start out this show with Lex Luger versus IRS. Because we all deserve a nice, peaceful Christmas slumber. Oh, and it's what's funny is, and I get it, your, your roster is so weak that you've got to make everybody feel important. But it's the way that they bill IRS is this great threat to Luger, constantly. Well, I mean, once upon a time, Lex Luger versus Mike Rotunda in Jim Crockett promotions would have been interesting. Kind of. <laughs> so, we, so we show a fan with a I cheat on my taxes sign. And they recycle last week's story about the about the athletes and the whole sports memorabilia tax sheet controversy. They're, re they're now recycling news stories. It's true. It's yeah. It's a it's an old one that is. I guess again, it's Christmas, isn't it? Everything's winding down. They're just they've got some old notes from previous commentary, and they're just going through those this week. I call this the best of, but that's stretching it. It's just a, I think the most accurate part of best of Raw. It is. Of Raw. <laughs> Welcome to an Of Raw. Here are here are the moments from Raw. <laughs> Do you mean the best moments? No, just the moments. Well, by default, sure. <laughs> it's in it's in that same awkward bracket as when somebody says, "Have a night." Do you mean a, Do you mean a good night? No, just have a night. <laughs> I'd rather have a rook. I, uh... Hey. Only here do you get chess gags <laughs> with your wrestling. This is free. <laughs> For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so Iris has with him DiBiase and a and a druid. And of course he's his face is obscured by his by his by his shroud, so we have no idea who it is. Mm. But they speculate during during the course of the match who these druids may be. So, during the match, Luger runs the ropes as the Druid grabs his foot, because that's what Druids do. They trip people. Vince, at one point, calls Luger the Big Mesomorph. That's a hell of a lot. Why, why was that not a t-shirt? <laughs> but then Sean gives Luger a better nickname. He calls him the Total Package. Ooh, I never spied that. He did call him that. Wow. That's, a, that's many years in the making. <laughs> That, this is Sean and Ford, you don't have the balls to fire me mode. <laughs> he really, he, like, he knows at this point he's probably the best they're going to have for a good long while, <laughs> so he's going to kick back a bit. Sean and Ford, you need me more than I need you mode. <laughs> so Vince thinks, this is, thinks that some of these druids could be Million Dollar Corporation members and speculates that one of them could be Bundy. Well, sure as hell ain't the one at ringside. We would know if it was Bundy. I'd love, I'd love if one of them was Bundy, but like the, the 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 clothes weren't big enough, so you just see his legs sticking out underneath like the black cloak. <laughs> we wonder if one of these men is Bundy. <laughs> big fat tree trunk beige legs sticking yes. out from under. The one of these men could be Bundy. 
<laughs> it's either Bundy or they're moving a wood lathe <laughs> over it. <laughs> so we get this weird edit after a body slam where Luger's all of a sudden running the ropes. They trim the hell out of this thing. It must it was it, it must have been terrible because they left a lot of bushwhackers versus well done in later on. So this must have been bad. Oh yeah, and Luger takes this amazing bump to the floor. He's he's sort of like near the ropes because he's eyeing the druid. Iris gives him a running knee to the back, and Luger, you know, usually when you fall through the ropes, you sort of go downward. You brace your hand on the apron, and then you tumble out somewhat safely. Yes, Luger, Luger flies out like he was ejected from a car. <laughs> Everything he does is like he's learning for the first time. <laughs> I mean, does Mesomorph mean like some sort of like like primordial? Like creature that's like learning human behavior. I mean, I know it actually means uh, someone with enhanced musculature, but but surely there's an element of that as well. <laughs> I am learning human behavior. I am maybe that's why they had that kid walking out in front of him so he could emulate human walking better. I think Chris Statlinger does a better impression of a human being than Lex Luger does. <laughs> well, I don't want to call her an alien. <laughs> Come on, Jim, play along. No, she's, she's not an alien. Yeah, we know, but come on, Jim. <laughs> but I can't say. Yes, you can. You're commentating. Uh, hey, Jared put over Brody Lee big on Saturday. He did. He did. He was excellent in that. I thought that was excellent. Brody Lee looks like the like the baddest MFer in the business right now. It just seemed to come a bit out of nowhere. Like, obviously, they've been ticking along with Brody Lee, and then all of a sudden, it was like, Brody versus Cody. Oh, Brody has just decimated Cody. Well, they were selling the idea that Cody, uh, by taking so many defenses, he's wearing himself down, and Brody just took advantage of him. Yeah. Just didn't overthink it, just went in there and, and killed him dead. It was great. But it's better than this match. <laughs> and, and this is more competitive, but that's beside the point. So, so the druid puts the boots to the Luger. We, we see Vlad in the crowd. Hi, Vlad. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so the druid's wearing a ring that Vince says looks familiar. Now, given who the, the druid ends up being, have you ever known the druid, this man in particular, to be known for wearing a certain ring? No, never. The rings that they wear on their hand have never, ever been mentioned or referenced or come to light in any way, shape or form. So when, when they zoomed in on the hand with a ring and Vince is like, that ring looks familiar! I was like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's not Chris Nowitzki's class ring. It's <laughs> not... It's it's not Stephen McMahon Helms' engagement ring. It's, it's not even, you know, Don Corleone's pinky ring. It's just a regular, like, big jeweled ring that has never come into play once. Never mentioned, never referenced. But who does so the ring? We, uh, do we find we find out who the ring belonged to, though, didn't we? Yes, in reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, we bring up the idea that Luger's once feuded with Tatanka, which makes sense as to why he's fighting the corporation here. It takes about six minutes into this dreadful match. Then Sean makes a Dumb and Dumber reference. Sean says Luger should have taken the money. Vince says Luger has integrity. Uh, yeah, that's why he did take the money eventually. <laughs> I, that is a good line. That is a good line they drop in. Oh, 
Lex Luger's got integrity. Mm, we'll see. Hang on, let me hold my sides while I laugh here. <laughs> so Vince points out that Luger's entered the Rumble. Starts, Lex starts making the comeback. There's a lot going on here that's like un, unconnected. Luger attacks a Druid, gets counted out. Wouldn't you know it, the Druid is Tatanka. Well, of course, the rings! Of course! <laughs> All those rings, the ones that Chief J Strongbow gave him. Those Native American official rings that J Strongbow, a real Native American, gave to Tatanka. What is Strongbow, Frodo? <laughs> hey, my precious. <laughs> One ring that chopped him down. <laughs> so then Dumbass Luger gets counted out while Brian with Tatanka. And eventually just the Tatanka, Iris, and DBS all just leave and, the, and and they just cut off and just move on from that. Like, ah, the hell with Luger. <laughs> Even they've had enough at this point. Oh, it's it's so sad to see someone like like just to see the drop of Luger, the decline of Luger. Like we, we talked about it on the Survivor Series watch along, just how they they so blatantly given up. But here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's nobody in this company right now. No. Like, like, you could probably do with, and I and I hate saying it because I don't think he deserves it, because he's such an ass. But like, you need something right now. You need a starter cap. You need some people at the top. And Lucas, Lucas, it's always like the, the. If you had somebody working with him and training him and and coaching him a bit more, if that was a possibility. You could still have a star there. Well, problem is he doesn't have you know, many guys that, who know how to work his match and get the best out of him. I mean, Flair's not here. If Flair was here, you'd see the best Luger. If Steamboat were here, you'd see the best Luger. But all you have is like Sean and Owen on the heel side that can do that. And unfortunately, he can't be in there with anybody like some of those great workers of our time and just bring out a good match. He needs the right opponents to do that. Yeah, Lex, he stays with the basics, and, and unless someone sells their ass off for him the way that someone like Sean could, it's just not going to work. So we cut away from all that for the tag title tournament update. And Sean takes pride in making this tournament possible because he vacated the belts. Yeah, he was he was owning it. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. I think Sean's the only triple crown winner that's vacated all three belts at some point. Ooh, let me think. I see, yes. Uh -huh. Tag, yeah, WWF, European. Uh, triple Crown, I said. Oh, my apologies. Although um, European, he did, he did lose in the BS match to Hunter. Yeah, so there's a kind of a vacation there. Sort of. I wonder how many other people have been Triple Crown vacators. I think just Sean. It's got to just be Sean. Diesel. It could only be Sean. No. No, he. No, he lost the world title fairly. Right. Yeah. Unless. Uh, if you're counting WCW titles as well. well didn't, I mean, I think he, didn't Kevin Nash give the belt to Flair? He, he did, yes. If you're counting WCW titles. <laughs> yeah. Must be a click thing. I think it's just, they just, they like winning belts. They're just not massively keen on losing them. <clears throat> well, just, you know, by, by standard means, that is. Mm -hmm. So we... So we get footage of Bam Bam and Tatanka defeating men on a mission. And I realize, hey, it's the same crowd that's there tonight. 
This was taped during. This was taped in Poughkeepsie also. Oh, same people. Wearing the same clothes. <laughs> nice. So, so I thought they were different tapings running at different times, but apparently not. Apparently they just did a whole bulk of Poughkeepsie stuff before before Christmas. And why not? Poughkeepsie's a great place to spend the holidays, I guess. <laughs> Come to Poughkeepsie for the holidays. <laughs> you can film a Hallmark movie here. <laughs> There is really, yeah, there's that and other things in Poughkeepsie, New York. Let's make ornaments out of fishing lures. Oh. <laughs> is that something that really happens or have you just made that up? I just pulled that out of somewhere. Pulled that out of your ass. Amazing. Um, so next... W so this, this is the thing about this tournament is that it's, just, it's always funny when you realise this whole tournament is already done. Like in the timeline, it's already done. Most of it. Yeah. I think, I, th I believe. See, I thought it was and, all uh, done. It could be. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't done that much research, to be honest with you, because who the hell cares? It's only now. <laughs> it's only nowadays, but obviously pre-Thunderdome, where you could probably get away with doing an entire tournament taped. Because the, the only way to ensure that no fans can talk about your product is by having no fans there. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, actually, I think you may be on something here because I, I believe these semifinals were all filmed around the time that this episode airs, or actually the week before. So, yeah, I see it now. So you are right. Every, every, everything's done except for the finals. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I read somewhere that it was all in the can already. So, like, everything's already set up. So it's the... Um, we see, we see Bam Bam and Tatanka beat men on the mission. Next week, it's, it's the Heavenly Bodies and the Bushwhackers, unfortunately. And that segues into Howard Finkel, dressed as a bushwhacker, hanging out with Luke and Butch, eating some sort of indeterminate meat. <laughs> it's like a Coliseum video from 1989. It's, it's not meat. It's, um, it's a kind of fish. It's a really smelly fish. That's meat? No, but, it, but, but it's a specific. I, they did say what it was. I, it's not tuna. Is it the only fish that... Is it sardines? Herring? Sardines! It's sardines. It's Dude, the only fish that isn't meat are Swedish fish. <laughs> That's true. But no, it's sardines, which are particularly pungent, which makes sense. The thing is a bushwhacker. I mean, we don't... The, the, here's the thing, right? We know from what... Last week, like, we saw... Some, we've seen altercations between the Fink and Harvey Whippleman. Mm -hmm. They don't intrinsically say that Harvey and Fink are going to confront each other tonight, and that's why it's happening. It's just kind of, they just sort of go, oh, look, there's a Fink, he's a bushwhacker now. Yeah, that's, um, well, it, it probably amuses Vince, that's why. Yeah. I think it's just always, it's presumed, like, prior knowledge is always presumed and assumed in this company. Well, when you assume you make an ass out of Uma Thurman. <laughs> and you saw what she'll do in Kill Bill. <laughs> and then she'll cut your head off. Yes. <laughs> well, well, at least that amuses Vince, but in a, in, a, in a moment I'm sure amuses nobody. Jeff Jarrett's still out in Las Vegas. Try, trying to get funding for his own Global Force tapings, I guess. <laughs> and then, in a moment, that really shows the gap between how old the showrunners and producers are 
and, and their target audience, Jeff Jarrett runs into Rip Taylor. <laughs> Him from Saturday Night Live from off of the past. Saturday Night Live? No. What am I thinking of there? Um, I thought he was on not ripped. Not oh. Rip Taylor. Oh, I thought he was on Saturday Night Live. I stand corrected. No. <laughs> I'm trying to picture that. It's uh, it's actually horrifying. <laughs> I, I, I mistaken. I've obviously mistaken it for another program that he was in. I'm sure he was in Saturday Night Live. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Oh, Maybe they made fun of him on Saturday Night Live. Maybe, maybe that's what I've crossed it with. But he did loads of other stuff in like the sixties and the seventies, like the Ed Sullivan Show. Maybe I've mixed it up with the Ed Sullivan Show. He's the one who used to throw like throw confetti on people and let him dance around, and uh, he was very exuberant. Not many people have nice things to say about Rip Taylor. Really? Well, it, it may like I've read a couple of reviews of this show online. And they're all very withering when it comes to this particular segment. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was a guy who had some some historical significance, which is obviously in vogue with the writers, just riffing off Jarrett. I didn't think it was that offensive. Well, it's because, I guess, Rip Taylor, he's, he's very antiquated. He's almost like Tiny Tim in that regard. Yeah. Where he's just of a time, and he's... He's, he's more of a novelty than, like, an actual star. So it just seems very chintzy that you'd throw him out there and just, like, say, hey, let's have him give Jeff Jarrett the rub. When when I was that age, I had no idea who Rip Taylor was. None. He was just some really exuberant guy dressed very loudly that, like, oh, it's Rip Taylor. Oh, hi, Jeff Jarrett. And it's just, Okay. Uh, not his first dalliance in wrestling. It is not. No, uh, he appeared randomly on the on USWA back in the day in a in a just, in a segment with Jerry Lawler. That's probably how Jerry was able to get him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So there's obviously that connection from the USWA days. So when they were filming in Las Vegas, they might have gone, "Hey, Rip will be in town. Let's do a bit with Rip Taylor." And I think that's how that came about. Why didn't you just bring Andy Coffin out of hiding? I mean, Andy Coffin probably wanted, would have wanted money for it. I doubt I'm Rip. Sure. I doubt Rip did. I think Rip's just happy to be out of the house. Hey, actually, Andy did it for the thrill, not for the money. Ah, well, that too. But the money helps. So, so while this is going on, I see Paul Anka's name on the marquee. And all I can think of is the famous blow up where he yells, the guys get shirts a lot at some <laughs> stagehand. And I'm, thinking, and I'm thinking, he'd have been great in AEW with all the shirts they come up with. Oh. Don't make an effing maniac out of me. The guys get shirts. <laughs> yeah, this this whole bit, and this whole bit is very, as you say, antiquated. Yeah, Rip Taylor looking at a Paul Anchor board saying, one day this will be all yours, Jeff. You know, there's, it's, it's all very... I thought it was fine. And there'll be, and there'll be a six-sided ring and the ropes will be green. <laughs> it wasn't... Okay, and a few people will probably call me a hypocrite because I was very down on the whole Tiny Tim thing. The difference here is this isn't weeks of announcements and publicity and then a 10-minute segment on the television show. This is like an unannounced 45-second bit. And then we're gone again. 
<laughs> well, it still sucks. Yeah, but it doesn't suck as bad. Okay, it sucks, so... but in a different way. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> they would be far more antiquated stuff that they would do over time. And there's something, including something in this very episode. I can't wait to get to it. Mm-hmm. The Smoking Guns versus Chris Avery and Roy Raymond. <laughs> and this is where I noticed that you can barely hear any of the theme songs over the dubbing. It's pretty bad, oh, well, isn't it? It's pretty bad. Yeah, the, the heat machine is dominating. <laughs> At least the Chirons are fixed. <laughs> so, uh... We learned in this segment that, from Vince himself that Billy Gunn is one of the top bull riders in the country. <laughs> Which would you prefer? To be a top bull rider or the greatest pure athlete? How about, how about an ass man? Oh, yeah. He's an ass man. Womp womp. Yeah, but, but uh, smoking guns. But it turns out, well, it turns out, Tommy, mm -hmm. that that random anecdote will actually come into play in a storyline very soon. Oh? You wouldn't think, but it does. So is this some long-term booking? No, it's short-term, but it's um, just sort of putting Chekhov's gun here in the form of a random anecdote. Nice. Chekhov's Brahmin, it turns out. <laughs> so Billy takes Roy Raymond. He rips him over on a hip toss like he just, like... Like, almost stationary, just, like, throws him over his shoulder. It's amazing. He looks great in this match. Well, he's a great athlete, Billy Gunn. We know this. Still is to this day. And they keep focusing on this one kid in the front row wearing this novelty foam red hat. Was it like, Trump? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's some kid getting ready for whacking day. All he needs is his air horn. <laughs> Was it it's like Trump? The one <laughs> <laughs> All he needs is like uh, I think it's the one kid that actually bought this red hat. Like, would you wear as a ten-year-old or eleven-year-old kid? Would you have bought that that foam hat? Do you know what? For any reason? I I have owned novelty clothes like that in the past, like big I, like big hands and stuff, like big gloves and things. I probably wouldn't. Hand. Yeah, yeah, you see the big hand, and I've got some little hands as well. Smaller than my actual hands. I know. <laughs> I, I struggled to find something, but there we go. Uh, I've, I've, I own several masks, and I did own a horse's head, like, mask. I don't know where that's gone. I feel like Alex might have thrown that out. Did put it in somebody's bed? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gave me more joy than to, to put on this, this... I used to do it on Facebook before I deactivated Facebook. But Tom I, Campbell doesn't get that part! <laughs> You pay. Somebody's getting wagged. Um, I used to put on Facebook a, a while before I got rid of Facebook altogether. I used to put the horse's head on, the horse's mask, and I'd sit and quietly read a book. And I'd turn on Facebook Live, and it would just be horse quietly reads a book. And I just live stream it for about forty minutes. Wouldn't do anything. I'd just be, it should be me <laughs> wearing the horse mask, reading a book. Dude, Cordaholic saved your ass. <laughs> it really did, mate. <laughs> Although, saying that, I feel like because because Holic has given my social medias a bit of a lift, I feel like if I did it now, more people would watch. And they'd probably watch it on Twitch. <laughs> Just do the news as horseman. Don't tempt me, mate. Do <laughs> not tempt me. 
I dare you. Tom keeps making jokes at the start of the news. Just tell me the news. All right, Entitled Fan 92. We'll ditch okay. the horse's head. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah, that. That happened. Tommy, it's okay. Jesus, Jesus Christ, man. I wasn't trying to get y'all worked up here. Well, you did. I am 10 worked up. And I'm now off to buy a horse's head to bring that dream to life. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Cultaholic Classic Raw Review returns to 1994 in a moment. Before that, in 2020, we've got a shop open. Cultaholicshop.com. Get yourself some very limited time only Cultaholic merchandise. We're talking t-shirts, sunglasses, and limited edition. And I cannot stress that enough. What happened to that wrestler and Gary YouTube enamel pins? Get them before they are gone for good at cultaholicshop.com. Now let's go back, way back to 1994 on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Well, this shop is uh, settled in. We have Chris Avery, the headlock master. Oh! Who does apply headlocks. I love his headlocks. They're the best. He's the headlock master. <laughs> what, what a dude, what a, what a title to own. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sean's just shooting his own angles on commentary. He says he sees himself... He says he sees himself as a Bruce Dern type, which if you know anything about Bruce Dern's movies, you know Jim Ross would hate Shawn Michaels if that were the case. <laughs> and, and go figure Shawn completes the joke by pointing out that Bruce Dern once killed John Wayne in the movie, which, which is why J.R. hates Bruce Dern. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know some that before. Team, That's cool. Some double teams ensue from the guns. Shawn implies that he himself rides something other than bulls. He can't finish that thought because it's a different era. So we get both sidewinders here, the one with the giant leg drop from Billy and the other with the top rope reverse slam thing. No sound on either landing because the dubbing's messed up, but the guns win as expected. There you go. Jobs are good in. <laughs> Next week, we actually have a match that could be good or it could be a pail full of suck. Tatanka versus the British Bulldog. It's your usual dun-dun-dun-dun dramatic intro, or promo, I should say. And not only do we get that, but we have the Raw debut 
of Henry Godwin with with <laughs> slow motion video of pigs running. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> are, are they trying to be a self parody? I think they might be, you know. <laughs> Just trying to amuse themselves. <laughs> they do. I mean, they, it's just that whole idea. They just try and make these matches feel somewhat important. Well, yeah, but I mean, Henry Godwin was like, like I guess he's, he's debuting on Raw next week, but he had to throw him into the um dun 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 dun, you know, dramatic promo. You you already had the Tonkin and Bulldog for that. Oh, they we did, and there was a line in that that unbelievably is an older reference than Rip Taylor. Which was? When they say that Bulldog is hoping to, quote, throw to Tonka to a London far. And I heard it and I rewound it. I thought, I've never, I, th I thought, is that some weird British parlance that they think exists? I was like, oh, throw him to a London far. So I Googled it, right? Mm -hmm. There is a book by Michael Inns that came out in 1949 called wow. A London Far. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty timely because we just had John Moxley talking, talking about Fahrenheit 451 in the Dave Meltzer interview this past weekend. Well, there you go. Even better. To, the 50s. to reference a London far in the 90s is uh, is certainly a hell of a look. Uh, just in case you're interested in reading a London far, uh, the blurb goes as follows. As Meredith, an academic, stands in a Bloomsbury tobacconist waiting for his two ounces of tobacco, he murmurs a verse of London, a poem, and is astounded when a trap door opens into the London catacombs, bringing him face to face with the Horton Venus by, Tit by Titian. From then, he is he is trapped in a maze of the illicit art trade in the company of the redoubtable Jade Halliwell. So it's basically like the Luger Tatanga feed button book form. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Okay. So sounds fascinating. That's the book, and that's the, that's what they are referencing in this promo. Will Horseman be reading that book? I. Do you know what? I think he'll have to be. I think if well, he comes back, it needs to be that. We have Bob Backlund on the King's Court. Ah, oh, brilliant. What a doozy this segment was. So, so Lawler talks him up, calling him a role model. Accuses Jack Tunney, the soon-to-be outgoing Jack Tunney, of screwing Backlund over. But Backlund, he's here to talk for himself. He says he needs no encomiums from Lawler. That's right. He doesn't need any encomiums. Mm, that's a great word. It is, and Backlund has some brief words for Vince at ringside. Why do we never get that match? I'm so sad. Oh, I, I, it's, it, we were certainly for a bit going in that direction. We get this amazing moment where they show this random crowd shot, people booing Backlund, and they show Vlad wearing a different shirt than what he's actually wearing. So this is from a different taping they swiped this from <laughs> and just dropped it thinking nobody would notice. But they didn't predict that some... 25 years later there would be mm -hmm. two arseholes doing a podcast watching every single one in great detail that's right if only they knew China's autobiography out now 
I'm gonna try to kill us now. <laughs> they would, would they? We would, we would be done. Packman says he's better than Brett. He welcomes him back so that he can beat him again. Moves on to Diesel. And we get this great moment where, for some reason, Backlund chooses to call Diesel Kevin Nash. Yeah, um, they're pushing like this real, the real Diesel, aren't they? And, I, and this is what does a lot of damage to him is when they try and present him as just like a normal bloke. It's like, well, no, keep that mystique of him being Big Daddy called Diesel. Don't start well, calling him Kevin Nash. Tom, I have a theory about this here. Oh, go on then. I think you may be looking at this all wrong. Oh. I think Backlund just screwed up and called him Kevin Nash by mistake. Oh, really? You thought it was just an accident? Because I hear Sean, because Sean has like almost improvised, like, you know where he got that from? You know, now he knows that? You know who told him that? If it's like him, if it's like playing along with him, like, like I told him that. Like Sean trying to cover for Backlund. Oh. I'm going to guess that's what happened. That might make sense. That makes more sense than me. Yeah, that's Sean filling a gap. That's Sean doing, doing a good job on commentary. Filling in a gap. Well, that's what Sean's here for. Cause Sean, carries guys, Sean carries guys from the table. <laughs> He's not yet, but he, the other week he was on and he was just, it was too much. And it was just, he was just digging on the product constantly. This week, there is a nice balance. There is a comfort to him this week. But he is the best thing on this show, by far. Oh, clearly. Yeah. It's not, it's not even close either. So back and goes on about T-Rexes and how they went extinct and all that. And Lawler's legitimately look, like looking for a moment to cut him off at. Or try to let him know that, hey, we got to end this soon. Backlund ends by yelling, the chicken wing is going to exterminate you. And Lawler is speechless. <laughs> Lawler is utterly speechless. Because he knows, once again, a king's court has got out of hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, um... It really is the end of, end of Backlund's push against Diesel. On TV, anyway. But it's moving to his rivalry with Bret Hart. Like, I didn't realize that, obviously, because we, 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 we will get Bret and Bob down the road. I didn't realize the journey to that started here. Or restarted here, rather. Yeah, it, yes, uh, it will heat up, sort of, and move back into WrestleMania, unfortunately. And we get the match that we get. How do you feel about the eight seconds chant? It's, it's unique. Mm. It's definitely unique. Bob Holly versus Chris Canyon. You know, it feels like an episode of Velocity from 2002. <laughs> hey, doesn't Bob's gear look better in black? Absolutely. Oh, he looks like a star here. As, as much as a, a, a rally car driver come wrestler can be. <clears throat> more, so than, more so than Chris Canyon with his purple one-strap singlet and yellow shorts. Well, Canyon is once again adding to my theory that when enhancement talent turns up, they have to help themselves to anything from the lost property cupboard. Yes. Who, better than <laughs> Who better than Canyon's haberdasher, everybody? <laughs> Haberdasher's a great word. It is. Did you make a comeback? John, can you just write the word haberdasher in really nice letters? If only Canyon had a time machine, he can go ahead to the future and find Sasha's husband and get some better gear. Oh, John, forget that. Do Canyon in a time machine. Finding Mikazi. Finding Mikazi. So we have a spirit of the opening sequence, and we learn here that there are no commentators seated at ringside. I love when that happens. It's so funny, isn't it? When somebody's like, it's either there's empty seats or they're just quietly staring down at the, cat, at the, at the monitors. <laughs> As they're playing gin rummy with each other. This, and 
I don't know whether you found this, like just to, to reference some modern wrestling on the subject of commentary. Um, NXT TakeOver 30 this weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you find the commentary a little bit off-putting? Well, it was weird not having Morrow there. It wasn't so bad that it was Morrow not there. I thought Corey was there and Corey did a great job. But because Beth was down the line via Zoom, I think, they were mm-hmm. calling the monitor that Beth could see. So therefore, like Vic Joseph had these big, impactful calls for stuff, but they were happening like a beat after the thing actually happened. I refuse to believe that Vic Joseph made anything resembling a big, impactful call. <laughs> oh, be nice. Be nice. No, 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 no. dude. I, tur- I turned on Vic like a year and a half ago. Oh, he's not that They're... bad. He's oh, it's, not, it's, it's, it's probably not his fault. But it was the um, it was last year's Rumble when he had that four-way cruiserweight match on the pre-show. And there's that awesome spot where I think it's Kalisto and Hideo Tommy and somebody else did that sort of doomsday device plancha thing. It's one of the cool things I've ever seen. And his next sentence was, well, gentlemen, you have to think that. And it's like, no, yell. Go nuts for that spot. Yeah. Put it over. Stop being a robot. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's... Me. Uh, I heard him make some big calls, like at least put some oomph into his voice because it, I remember it was quite jarring because you'd have like Keith Lee hit a powerbomb and it would be like Keith hits the powerbomb, a beat later, Keith Lee with the powerbomb. I was like, oh, that's like the energy's there, but it's just like you want you want to go into a, you want to go into Adobe Premiere and just move the audio along a bit. He's Max Headroom, three seconds into the future. Yes, yes, he is. That's what exi- That's exactly what it is. Well, no, no, it's... he's three seconds in the past. That's the problem. He's three seconds <laughs> oh, in the okay. past. So that it's a beat just after. Watch it back and see if it's just me. It's Vic Joseph, late edition. <laughs> it's Vic Joseph, plus one. It's during this match, after a nice period of the opening sequence, that Sean implies that Backlund might snap with a gun one day and references post-off post offices and bell towers oh christ that's the line you want to see today no that wouldn't that wouldn't make the cut that's uh that's about as outlawed as as any reference to firing velveteen dream sean comparing back on the charles whitman um so candy takes over we get a great spot where he has holly on the mat and then he mimics driving a car (laughs) ah yes i'm glad you saw that get in canyon (laughs) How did Kenny not get a job based off just that performance alone? I like it when enhancement guys come in and just own it. They're out there just trying to get a job, just trying to look for more consistent work. And how do they not hire Canyon? I don't get it. Literally, there's no one better. He asks that every time. So Holly comes back, hard close line out of a corner, gets a high kick. Vince goes on about about Vinny Pazienza and a, and a, and a boxing match with Roberta Duran. He says they're going to lock up. Should have said clinch Vince. You don't lock up in boxing, you idiot. Hollywood's with a flying elbow smash. Pretty good squash match here. Lovely elbow, I would like to add. Yeah, Holly has great agility. Beautiful drop kicks, smashing elbow drop. Like the basics down pat. Holly was a tremendous athlete, undoubtedly. Just a bit of an arsehole. Well, as some have claimed. As some have claimed. I talked to him once, he was nice to me. (laughs) <laughs> he only punched me twice <laughs> and he let me keep the coins he just took the notes 
we go to the Royal Rumble report, our first one. I'm excited for the Royal Rumble. Oh, uh, we haven't had... Do you know what? It feels like a hot minute since we've had a Todd Pettengill report. It does feel like a long time. Probably a reason for that, based on his performance in this. Well, it was there was a, there was at least two things in this Royal Rumble report that that are very uh, out of place in 2020, which was which was interesting to see. Well, point them out as I go along, because I missed them. All right, mate. So we'll see, we'll see what we got here. So Todd feels like Richard Jenny doing stand-up in 1988. <laughs> he, he makes a horrible burlap underwear joke. He talks about the world's largest beach party because it shows in Tampa. Oh, wait, he gets to um. Bash at the beach that year when you have 600,000 fans on the beach, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Pamela Anderson's going to be there. That's the big draw. Because she was a huge draw in 95, understandably. And it was Todd that managed to get her through his brother's mate or some bollocks like that that he puts out into the universe. He, he said something of the sort, and then he actually goes swing at one point. That's, I've written down one thing that is very outdated. Talking, the idea of talking about an actress and ending it with swing. Yes, thank you, Mike Myers. Ugh, a woman. So we learned the world title match is Diesel versus Bret Hart. Diesel has a lazy photo for his promo shot. <laughs> it is a lazy like, one. I love like the weird like '60s glossy photos they have for these like promo shots. They need to, they need to take a whole bunch of new ones, I think, just to freshen <laughs> up the whole image, because they're very they're very mismatched overall. Yeah, but I mean, like the actual, like, like the actual, like sheen on them. It feels, <laughs> it, it, it feels like comfortably retro. Yeah. I mean, the diesel shot is very lazy. It's just, it's just him. I think he's reading the menu at McDonald's. He's just looking up while holding the belt. You don't have a post shot of your world champion. There's those random occasions, and we've had this in like in the on the SmackDown review in for the '99 2000, where for whatever reason they haven't got a picture of the champ with the belt, so they've had to Photoshop the belt on, and it looks awful. It's like how long? Come on, you see these lads every week. Surely you can just find a nice clean background, get somebody with a disposable camera, and take a photo. Exactly. Just use a Polaroid if you have to. Exactly. Todd says this is possibly the greatest world title match ever. We get this weird, measured, subdued promo from Diesel wearing all leather while sitting on a stool. It's far too humble and wooden. Makes fun of Brett for wearing pink. Talks about how black and gold looks good on him, but br- but black and blue will be the, the be the color they both are. Yada yada yada. He's coming out the champion. I didn't think it was a terrible promo, but there was the line the other line, which is the other thing that was very out of date, where he says, "You say you're the man." How long have you been wearing pink? Well, like, yeah. Oh, it just—it's a line that just in 2020 just would not fly. Why would Kevin Nash say that line? <laughs> Bret Hart's comeback should be: "You say you're the man, but you've got long hair like a girl." <laughs> you say you're a man, but just but you hurt your leg every week. You say you're a man, but then you took. Um, hormone supplements in the movie uh, The Longest Yard 15 years or 10 years from now. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. You yeah. flipping did. Yeah, that's right. I saw the future, Diesel. <laughs> you say you're the man, but you're oversensitive to finger folk. <laughs> you say you're the man, but you don't have red hair and you're not dating the architect. <laughs> you say you're the man, but you hang around with a lot of blokes. <laughs> I don't understand that one. I don't get it either. Like you're reaching. Either. I'm tired as well. <laughs> well, speaking. Well, speaking of reaching, 
Here are your first. Here are your first ten entrants for the Rumble match. Oh god! Now. They 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 went. Todd said the thirty best WWF superstars. It's like no, 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 no. Just the thirty WWF superstars. Not even that, because one of them's not even with the company. <laughs> On that logic, right now, I am the best person in this spare room. That is true. You are, unless Pablo's in there, in which case you're second. <laughs> no, he's not. That's why I'm literally the best person in this room. Gotcha. On that logic, because I am on the Jack Jones. Think of the stars that the Rumbles we've seen over the years. We're three years removed from the one that Flair won that had a bunch of possible winners for that world title. Oh, man, that was so good. 92. Five these are Rumble. The, these are the first ten names they've announced. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Lex Luger. Yay! Okay. That's a reasonable name, at least. Last year's co-winner. Bob Backlund. Yay! Right. I mean, it makes sense. Former champion. Yeah, defo. King Kong Bundy. He's, a little, he's up there in age, but sure. Doink the Clown, who, who Todd says will be dinkless, which actually made me laugh out loud. What's that in reference to? That Dink will not be at ringside. Right, fair enough. I thought we might have missed the storyline on Superstars or something, where the Dink's dead. I don't know. No, I mean, I mean, Dinkless sounds like something else, and maybe made me go. <laughs> <laughs> John, Dinkless in Seattle. No, no. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Luger back on Bundy Doink, and then we learn Quang, <laughs> Henry Godwin, Duke de Dumpster Jersey, the Portuguese Man of War out of Montoya. <laughs> Adam Bomb. <laughs> and then, as the palate cleanser, the moment that made me so happy that I jumped out of my chair briefly to mark out, Mother Effing Dick Murdoch. <laughs> yes! For, and they just they just dropped his name without any explanation as to why he's in this match. Dick Flippin' Murdoch, making a WWF run. Spoiler alert. Murdoch is low-key the MVP of that match when it happens. Spoiler alert, Dick Murdoch wins the 1995 Royal Rumble. I wish. I wish, they, I wish he just shot and threw everybody out. <laughs> what a random uh, resurgence for Dick Murdoch here. He was a former tag team champion 10 years earlier of Adrian Adonis. And they just threw his ass in here for some reason. It's a weird decision to do, because like, up until sort of this point, so, like, he's making a run back in the WWF in 94. But, like, I'm mm -hmm. oh, sorry, 95. But this is, like, very late into into his time. Like, the last time he did anything of any real significance was in 91. And he was feuding with the Steiners. But that mm -hmm. was late in the day. Um, this is, like, I think this is probably one of maybe two or three occasion, like, two or three uh, matches or events he's involved with this year it's yeah that. it's it's a really random pickup as much as I want to enjoy it ironically I mean I I do we will enjoy his appearance in the rumble I guarantee you that right now but man it's it's really thrown together that um this particular this year is the penultimate year of his career I just want to run through the latest and life, life. Of, and life of course um, yes. I just want to run through some of his um, key moments between now and, and the end of 96. So obviously the Rumble in 95. In May, so like a few months after this, he's in WCW. 
he wrestled mm-hmm. the Legends match against Wahoo McDaniel. That's right. The and this is a match that they film in black and white. Uh-huh. With Gordon Sully on the call. Not against that idea. I'm okay with it. It's all right. I would like a 90s, I'd like a 90s match, but I want it shot with like a VHS filter. That'd be something. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? That'd be cool. That's how you do like an attitude night. That's how you do it. Um, he in '96, also '96, he wrestled uh, Gangrel and the Viking in Malaysia. <laughs> the, the Viking? The Viking, just the one Viking. There's only one Viking, and he wrestled him. <laughs> Wow. Um, and then uh, he was uh, pro wrestling Fujiwara facing uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, and then that's it. Mm. So this is, is truly is near the end for Mr. Murdoch. Very much is. Very, very much is. So enjoy him while well, we got him. We shall. Now for the Bushwhackers versus Well Done. First words I wrote were kill me. <laughs> New generation, baby. I have to say, Howard Finkel has been ringside for hundreds of Bushwhacker matches. Possibly hundreds of years, then. <laughs> he's, he's, he's been there for everyone's entrance ever. He should know all their, you know, everything that every wrestler does because he, he's around them so much. This man cannot do a Bushwhacker bounce to save his life. <laughs> He, he, he's doing like this weird muscle man dance while walking in the ring, which is not how you do the rhythmic arm motions that Luke and Butch do. He doesn't I, get it, does he? No. He's just totally spazzed out here. Match begins quickly. I'm okay. I'm in favor of this. Fink marches with him in the ring. It's kind of embarrassing. The look on Harvey's face matches mine. So this match is. I didn't write many notes for this match because I got kind of tuned out. I know. I just know that Stephen Dunn fell the wrong way on a double face jam, which made me laugh out loud. Luke was facing peril. The legend hot tag the Butch. Fink keeps hard from interfering and pulls his pants off. Then Butch pins Stephen Dunn, and that was pretty much that. <laughs> I feel like you rushed through this because you didn't want to talk about it. Yes, that's pretty much the case. That's fine, I agree. Uh, Sean makes one fun comment, so he says, look at the quads on Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> there actually was a funny moment in there where you talk about um, how how Harvey, I think, it was, I think it was Howard, narked something Harvey did to the referee. And, and, and Vince goes, marked? Like, M-A-R-K-E-D. Marked? He goes, narked! <laughs> they're, they're working in lingo. <laughs> For some reason, that was that was the other fun part of the match, because the primary one being when it ended. So we get this video of Mabel visiting with Santa, which is comical because he's this big 500-pound man sitting on Santa's lap. So then he asks Santa what he wants, and Santa goes cross-eyed for some reason. <laughs> I don't, which I don't get. And then they do a wipe screen and then we come back to Santa sitting on Mabel's lap he goes this is much better so you figured the joke would be that Santa would ask for something but no it's just they reverse roles and that was the joke I guess all he wanted was to not have Mabel sit on him that was all he's ever wanted I guess that was the joke I'd like to think that, that so if Santa was being a bit more was being a bit smarter 
they would have faded out and come back and Santa would have been suddenly surrounded by a million dollars and a load of pole dancers. <laughs> Thanks, Mabel! Also, he walks up like a... Hold your barrel full of ECW tapes. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Marley! <laughs> Thanks, Viscera. <laughs> Cuts back and uh, Zanza goes, Thanks, Mabel. Here's a gift for you. Some new clothes. And it's a bin bag full of clothes. But Mabel just goes, Hmm, I like this outfit. And Zanza's like, No. No, the clothes are inside the the bag. Oh, no. <laughs> Gives him a push in 95 to everybody's chagrin. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what Mabel asked for. And he got it. So, so this year, the new generation era is... It's actually Santa's fault. Yes. Which is why he turned heel at the end of 95. Yeah, it all makes sense. Long term booking. To an extent, yes. It all makes sense. Jim Neidhart versus Officer Bar Brady. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to see Bar Brady back. <laughs> I'm working two weeks in a row. <laughs> I don't want to shoot any more kids. <laughs> we had so a, the... a day yesterday with time of day of recording when uh, me and Alex and and inevitably Matthew uh, were went drinking on Saturday mm-hmm. and I think we realised that it was the the first time that we'd been out out since lockdown began like the first mm-hmm. like where it was just like let's go and have some lunch and then it turned into a drink and then another drink then another drink I think I had nine pints on Saturday. Good job. I thank you, mate. But do you know what? I am old, and I, even today I feel rough. And it's like a, a, nearly forty-eight hours removed from the crime. But we spent yesterday doing nothing. We we sat in pajamas. We ordered food from Uber Eats, and we watched South Park. Like we binge mm-hmm. watched it. We watched the entire season nineteen. I think it is. I don't know what, wow. how much of a South Park aficionado you are. More, I'm more of the older days, but I've seen some of the more modern stuff as well. It's a whole season they do where a Whole Foods moves into South Park. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it gentrifies in like, South Park, and it turns out to be a massive conspiracy theory. Oh, it's so it's so good. It's it's a bit darker and a bit... And, and sort of a bit... I mean, South Park's dark as it is, but there's an edginess to it that I've not experienced other South Parks before. And it's just the, 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 the plot of Officer Barb Brady who gets his badge taken off him, and it turns out that he's homeless. And I was like, oh, this is really sad. This is really sad. And then when I saw Barb Brady turn up on our on our thing, I was like, oh, it's the homeless one from South Park. See, he, he, he found work. He's losing the night heart. See? Yeah, it's fine. And here's... There... I thought Neidhart was done as well, by the way. We're getting close. Okay. So for those who don't uh, who don't know the gag here, just, the jobber's name is Nick Barbary, but we start calling him Officer Barbary after the <laughs> South Park character because why not? <laughs> so Neidhart tries throwing a few with the Spanish announcers for some reason. We return, we return from an ad for, from an ad for the Raw video game to see Neidhart hurting Barbary. I realize Danny Davis is officiating this match. Good call with Neidhart in there. Yeah. A uh, lot of clubbing down. A lot of clubbing down. A lot of clubbing down. Barbary goes flying over the ropes at one point as Sean plugs the movie Scrooge, which is a really good, uh, which is a really, really, really good movie if you ignore Carol King's part. <laughs> um, now her brings back in, wins with a camel clutch, and that is that. 
that is the last match of this taping. That's how everybody went home. <laughs> well done. You, you, thanks for sitting through three hours of wrestling. Your reward is the moment you've waited for, the pink and black himself, a, a champion within the WWE <laughs> from Canada, half of the Heart Foundation. That's right. Yes. Jim Nidard. <laughs> it's like when... I think when Barney dresses Krusty. I, I can't Krusty. Yes. <laughs> Poor Nightheart. We get a Rumble promo with emphasis on Pamela Anderson. Understandably, because they're using her to try and draw for this uh, mediocre show. So next week, Bulldog versus Tatanka. Taker will be in action. Diesel will be on the King's Court. And Henry Godwin will be in action. Sean goes on about hanging fish nets above the above the fireplace, and then we get the best ending to the show ever. Vince signs off, "So long, see you next week," and then Sean just perks up a little bit, narrows his eyes, and just goes, "Raw," for some reason. <laughs> he just 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 emulating Vince, isn't he? Raw. Yes, that should be the new. That's all, folks. <laughs> just Shawn Michaels appearing in like the the Porky Pig circle yes. <laughs> give me one reason why not John give us that please yes <laughs> or the or the start of the Metro Goldwyn Mayer film <laughs> yes he's the lion so the lion it's just Shawn going <laughs> oh the lion lost his teeth Oh, either are good. Either are good. So, what, what an episode we had there! What a time we had! Yes, it's basically just it's all, it's all just good. Everybody's good to hell home, have hot chocolate, and open presents. Yeah, that's it. Uh, next week seems fuller, at least. Uh, yeah, a little bit. It's the once you're into the post-holiday malaise of having no more gifts to open, you can. Unpack Bulldog and, and, and the Tonga and determine for yourself whether or not it, it is a gift or a lump of coal. Amazing. Amazing. I'm excited for it. Is Strummerwitz back next week as well? He's had a prolonged absence. Uh, he's got a current... He's working on a job right now, so he's uh, a little bit busy. I'm giving him a little bit of time to focus on one thing, but he shall return soon. You say he's busy. I was playing four guys with him the other night. Can't be that busy. Well, he's got to... <laughs> he's got to relax. No! No time to relax when you're successful. Actually, I know he's. In funny enough, I know his job. He is. He is. A, he won't mind me saying. He is presenting on a country music station. Yes, he is. What a guy! What a legend! Yes, he's he's branching out a little bit, and we're happy for the guy. It fills my heart with so much deep joy to hear of a young whippersnapper like Austin Strubowitz getting a break on radio. Oh, it fills yeah. my heart with joy. Phil's mine as well. Happy best, to see the kid doing good. Best years of my life working in radio. And I've had some good ones at Cotholic. But the best years of my life working in radio. So it's nice to see somebody else enjoying the dream. Strummerwitz will be back soon. But you've just got me and, uh, me and Henri until then. Uh, but until the next time that we are together, he is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together! We've teamed up with Audible to give you a free audio book. You can go to coltholic.com forward slash Audible. Uh, sign up for 30 days. Shoot a book that you like. I quite like from under the Black Hat starring Jim Ross. And once you sign up, you can cancel any time you like. You get to keep the book on us. You're very welcome. coltholic.com slash Audible. We will see you next week. <gasps>
free advertising. Love you, bye! <laughs> Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 